okay, okay. Okay. Oh, I'm going to start this over again. <laughs> Ladies in the Wild is one conversation with two completely different lenses. I'm Sharice Corbin. I'm Cecilia Corbin, and we're two sisters with a 21-year age gap. These two decades cause us to have some pretty different ideas about life. So, we decided to sit down and talk about the ways these 21 years shape our perspectives to the world around us. One conversation, two lenses, because life is a wild ride. Welcome to to Ladies in the Wild. so happy today because we are welcoming you to the sixth episode of Ladies in the Wild. Okay, everybody, we are super excited about this episode because we are talking about being a boss. Boss, that's right. Now, back in your day, Sharice, didn't people say boss to mean cool? Wasn't it like the synonym for cool, like... Wow, I don't know if I should be really offended by that. Give us back a history in lesson. Your day. No, you lived through back a lot. In your day. You yes. lived- <laughs> it's not getting any better. I'm sorry. I'm digging my own grave. You are. Okay, thank you. Now that I feel very old. No, you're it's mature. you're just yes, experienced. You've seen a great deal of life. Listen, I am 21 years older than you, yeah. so this is okay. I could I could be your mother, so I will accept this. Mhm. So back in your day, <laughs> didn't boss mean cool? Yes. Like in the 80s or something? Yeah. Didn't people Before say you were like, born. that shirt is so boss, man? No. No? We would say that shirt is so awesome or rad. Oh, wow. Rad. Yeah. That's a history lesson. That's an archive. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you. Okay. I really want to go ahead and dive in on this episode because we have a lot to cover, yeah, people. We do. So we're talking about what it means to be a boss. Yeah. And that is a role that you have fulfilled a lot in your life. Would you just talk a little bit about your leadership experience in the past and the different roles that you have had in leadership and being a boss? Back in my day, because I'm so (laughs) old and mature, I have been working full time. I mean, gosh, for a very long time now, over 20 years. If you want to hear a little bit more about my work background, then listen to Believer Mm -hmm. because I kind of outline what I've done for work. But basically, I've been a television producer since I graduated from Mm -hmm. college. And then I've kind of slowly but surely worked my way up. I've done every job along the way. To where now I'm a co-executive producer, and so I am one of the main bosses. Mm -hmm. I will always have another boss above me, of course, that Mm -hmm. I answer to, as well as the television network that the show's on. But yes, I'm a manager and a boss at this point in my career. So cool. It is. And it sounds so cool and amazing and successful. But I got to tell you, being a boss is the hardest job you will ever do. And by that, I mean managing people Mm -hmm. (laughs) is the hardest job in the world. And when you think about the scale of what it takes to produce a television show that we just watch on Mm. the network, there are so many hands that are involved in that. So co-executive producer, you're kind of, you hear that title and you're thinking, okay, what does that even mean? Right. But Sharice literally works on some shows from shooting in the field to post-production getting a show from an idea on a page to 
being put on a television network. So you can imagine there are so many hands that are involved in that happening. This is not a small scale thing. So when you think of it from that lens, I mean, you really do have a lot of people that you are working with and partnering with to make a show happen. That doesn't just happen overnight, people. That's so true. There have been times you've been working on a show for months and months and months. And we don't see you during that time either. You work 16 hour days, 18 hour days when you're doing that. And it's such a high pressure, high stress job because there's so many people to please. And then there's the whole budget financial issue. There's a whole creative issue. There's the network execs. There's the production company. And then there's your crew. Yeah. It's important for those of us who don't work in your industry to kind of remember the amount of capital that a network is investing. This is not small potatoes. These are not pennies. So there's a lot of expectation on the shoulders of those who are kind of at the top of the pyramid in management to produce something that is quality. Because no one wants a show that gets pulled off the air or doesn't Mm -hmm. get through its first season. Nobody wants that. That's not the goal. And I'll also say that a lot of times you're doing this and having this crazy schedule and you're not living at home. You're living in a hotel somewhere Mm -hmm. on set and you're working with people who, as cast members, don't get to see their families, are gone with the crew for months at a time. So there's a lot of management and administration that happens, but there's also a lot of relational and social and emotional dynamics that are occurring, too. Oh, my God. It's so true. I am a mom. Mm-hmm. I am a friend, a best friend. I am like a stern parent, mm-hmm. a kind parent. I. It's so true. There's so many different roles you have to play, mm-hmm. especially with the cast, because, yeah, they're completely out of their element and you have to get them in the place that they feel comfortable so mm-hmm. that this can be a real experience for them. You have to be all things to all people. Yeah. So I am on the other end of the spectrum from you, right? I'm beginning a career. I am still in the process of uh, pursuing higher education. So my leadership experiences have really been relegated to the realm of roles that I take on in my academic settings. There are leadership experiences from high school that I have and then ones from college as well. I'm, I'm a senior in college now. So I've been there long enough that I have gotten the privilege of just getting to work on some really amazing teams. So at Evangel, we have a student-led arm of spiritual life that's called Crosswalk, and I've Mm -hmm. served with that organization for three years. I moved on from there to be the director for diversity and inclusion for the organization that I work with as well. Describe that. Yeah, that was so fun. Um, That was during my junior year and it was a program that I got to pilot. So it was I was the first person to get to serve in that role, which was such an honor. But we directed essentially all of our energy towards creating meaningful events centered around diversity and inclusion from a spiritual perspective. I oversaw a team of about eight people on one side. So there was a mental health initiative and then we had a culture initiative. And then finally, this year, I am now the executive director of that student board. So um, I call her the um, president. But what's your title? I'm the executive director is my official title. So you're the student 
head of that. Yeah. I serve with a board of 15 other students. My job is to support and encourage and partner with those students who are leading spiritual life on campus. Being the boss of this spiritual life (laughs) on campus is actually a really big job in Cecilia has had to take on a lot during her senior year. I mean, this is on top of school. It's hard for me to even use the term boss in connection with this, and we'll talk about that later. (laughs) But essentially, I have a hand in administration. I have a hand in finances. I have a hand in the personal development of the students that work on that board. I have a hand in in the events that Spiritual Life hosts. I have a hand in helping to lead chapels when it's needed. Yep, you speak Um, at chapels. Well, I spoke at one chapel. Okay, she spoke at a chapel. It's on YouTube. I'll put a link up. (laughs) So that job is also a relational. Yes, highly relational job. That is really my skill set and that is is one of the most important parts yes. of my job is yeah. is relationships and building relationships with students. So, Sharice, now I want to get into the nitty-gritty, Ooh, right? Because yes. we've given them an overview. Yes. So I want to hear from you. What is hard about being a boss? I think overall, just having to manage a super large workload as well as commitments outside of work and to maintain relationships with your friends and family Mm. while you're working so much and still take care of yourself physically, spiritually, mentally. Trying to do all of those things, that juggling act, is so hard. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's the personal difficulty of it. And then, like I was saying before, just managing people is so challenging, especially when there's so much going on and you're just exhausted to be able to be the kind of a boss that is happy and fun to be around, but also strong and makes decisions and is level headed and trying to not be emotional when you didn't get any sleep when you're super stressed out. That is really challenging. I'm going to tell you a couple of stories. <laughs> the one story the is kind of funny now. It was not funny at the time. But I was working on this show um, actually for MGM for Mark Burnett, and it was called Coupled. Mm-hmm. And it's a dating show. And we were on this island in Anguilla. There's so much I could tell you about this experience. <laughs> I could go on and on and you would actually be really fascinated because it was horrifying <laughs> in so many ways. Uh, it sounds really magical to be on an island in the middle of nowhere. I have PTSD. I will never go back to Anguilla wow. again. And shooting a television show like that on an island mm. where you have no infrastructure or resources and you have like 300 people in the crew trying to live on an island is just ridiculous in itself so but we did it we made it through you survived that um so the cast is in a bubble right Mm -hmm. they don't have any access to internet or their phones during the six weeks that we were shooting they had Mm -hmm. no outside contact so we keep them in this little bubble so that they can really experience what they're going through and not have outside influences yeah well that's so incredibly unnatural and it's really hard for people you tell them up front that's going to happen But until you experience it, you don't know how you're going to react. So I remember this one cast member. I worked such long hours on that show. And so I probably worked an 18-hour shift. And I had come back the next day. And she was really mad about something that happened Mm. with this guy that she was coupled with. And she went 
off on me. And I remember I started crying, but I was crying not because I was upset and sad that she was yelling at me. Mm -hmm. It was because I was angry. I was angry Mm -hmm. crying because she was saying, I can't believe you're treating me this way. I'm a real person. And so I said to her, you know what? I'm a producer, but I'm a real person. Mm -hmm. And this stuff is affecting me, too. And it shut her up. She needed to get to the place where she realized, "Okay, you're not just a TV person that's trying to manipulate me and doesn't care about me. Okay, you are a real person Mm -hmm. and you are being reasonable and I'm not. But I remember how upset I was with myself for crying in front of her (laughs) because you feel like as a boss that you just always have to be strong and not have any emotions. And especially as a woman. Yeah. Honestly, if you cry, then it makes you look weak. Well, if I'm working 18 hours, I'm getting no sleep and I'm stressed out. I'm going to cry sometimes. And I'm not a crier. Yeah, no, you're not. I'm not. (laughs) And so the fact that I angry cried broke her down. Mm. Like the fact that I actually cried helped. (laughs) So I feel like sometimes vulnerability actually is more powerful than anything. Yeah. And that is looked down upon when you're a boss. Yep, for sure. Right? And sometimes that is our most powerful tool is to be a real human being Mm -hmm. and be vulnerable because then somebody can connect with you and feel like you actually care. Yeah. And so then I got through that. Oh, gosh. And on my my last show that I did, we had this crazy person. It was a show for Food Network. We had this crazy restaurant owner that got really pissed at me about something went off (laughs) on me. And I was so angry. Again, I angry cried, but I didn't in front of him. Luckily, he's he was just a misogynist and just a really unkind kind of evil person he was not a good person and so i just ran off and i just got by myself and for some reason i just was like ugly crying like Mm -hmm. (gasps) it really (laughs) upset me and that is not like me and i remember i called mom and dad and they just prayed for me Mm. and that was the only thing that could calm me down i felt so disrespected because he went off on me in front of my whole crew and just It hit me at my core, just the disrespect and the misogyny that I felt in that moment just sent me over into this place. And so luckily I have parents that are such strong people and they were able to just bring me out of my circumstances and help me to focus up. Focus up, people. (laughs) To God and to be able to just come back from that. And one more story I'm going to tell is people that are on television are usually really big, crazy personalities (laughs) because they're interesting to watch, especially on reality shows. Sometimes they're not very good people. And so I worked on another show. It was a pawn show in Beverly Hills. Mm. And I actually had a Me Too moment Mm, on that job. So... We had finished shooting. It was obviously a really difficult experience. So we went out together to all celebrate that the Mm -hmm. show was finished shooting. And I didn't invite him, but somehow the main character of the show, the pawn shop owner, heard about it and came. And we were all hanging out. And out of nowhere, he grabbed me and pulled me in. And I was pinned against a chair in him. And he just kissed me and stuck his tongue in my mouth and I was 
shocked and just in that moment you're like what's happening and i just bit bit my teeth down oh my and gosh. i was trying to push him away but he's so big and i couldn't get him away from me and i had my whole crew standing there and they were in shock and oh it all just happened so fast and so i was able to get him off of me and i said you asshole why did you do that to me i slapped him and mm. he said Oh, you know you've wanted it, baby. Oh, my gosh. And so I went to the bathroom, and my female crew followed me there. And I said, what just happened? And they were like, he assaulted you. Oh, my goodness. Because it's hard when that hasn't happened to you before you're thinking, was that assault? You know? Mm -hmm. And for me, it was a sexual assault moment, but also... I was the boss. Yeah. I was humiliated as well in that moment yeah. because it happened in front of my whole crew that he did this. And then I went out and I was saying goodbye to everybody mm-hmm. and he grabbed me again and did the same thing. Oh, my goodness. And this time I put my whole weight and kind of dropped down. And then the guys in my crew were tearing him away from me at that moment. You know, he just thought it was a joke. In hindsight, how terrible! afterwards, I kind of wish I would have handled it differently. I did contact the, the production company and talk to their lawyer. And they said that they would deal with him. I don't know if they ever talked to him or not. Mm. Um, I didn't follow through with it any further at that point. At this point, I kind of wish that I would mm-hmm. have because I don't know how many more women that that's happened to since. Um, I pray that it didn't continue to happen, at least with the women on the production, because that show went on to have another season. Wow. But uh, there's so many experiences that I've had and that I've had to work through and come to the other end of. I've told you kind of about the Mm. hard times, but there's also been some really, really amazing times, too, Mm. where I've had some of the most incredible experiences of my life. I think you highlight something that's really important to talk about. We kind of idealize leadership. So being a leader is something that is presented very positively, Mm -hmm. and it's something that we exalt. But I don't think that we acknowledge very often that leadership is actually very hard. It's very difficult and it can become something that's damaging if we're not careful, if we don't have balance, if we don't know how to deal with it well, if we don't have support. There's this shadow side to leadership that we don't always acknowledge. Yeah. It's not it's not all roses and sunshine all the time right. in leadership. It's very taxing. And there are more challenges as a woman. I'm saying that now because two of those examples that I gave have to do with that. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like that's worth acknowledging. This isn't a conversation about female versus male bosses at all. I just want to talk about being a boss. Mm -hmm. But it is more challenging in some ways because if I'm too strong, then I'm a bitch. Mm. And if I'm not strong enough, then Oh, she's just weak. Mm -hmm. There's more of a balance that has to be created as a female in a boss position. Mm -hmm. I feel like as a woman, I'm just as powerful and even more capable in a lot of ways because the empathy and the vulnerability and the sensitivity that I bring is such a powerful thing, especially with cast drawing things out of them that I'm able to do that uh, maybe somebody else wouldn't be able to do. And also working with crew and just them feeling nurtured and taken care of and respected and heard. And so I feel like 
women are such incredible bosses because they have all of that as well. Not to downplay men. They're great bosses too. Some of my favorite bosses I've had have been men. So, but I just kind of wanted to mention that. Yeah. Well, and your industry is especially difficult because you want to make the experience meaningful for the cast and crew. You want to be the kind of boss that people want to work for, but you also absolutely have a hard deadline and you have a product that has to be complete and has to be at a certain level. And that is a difficult balance to find because you can't just be people's friends so much that they're still not producing. I'm going to talk about this a little bit, but I think that's even one of the biggest differences I see between the places that I've had the privilege of leading and the places that you lead. I don't necessarily have like a product that has to be packaged and Mm. sold and put out. And so that gives me a freedom that you don't necessarily have Mm, um, in the way that I lead. And so your challengers are more than mine and, and some in some cases more than a lot of people's because there's a lot of financial investment in this and there's also a date where this show has got to air by this date. So I think that just adds to kind of what you have to work through as a leader as well. So Cecilia, what would you say have been some of the hardest things you've had to deal with in Mm. leadership? I'm in a very different place in leadership. I'm starting. I'm developing a culture of my own leadership. I'm figuring out what type of leader I want to be. One thing that I think back on is how early I feel I was put into positions of leadership. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think I was yanked up into leadership very (laughs) early is kind of how I phrased it. And in some ways, I think that was detrimental to parts of my own development. So I had a choice, right? I accepted every position I took, but it also meant that I was now very much in view of people when I was still trying to figure out my own perspectives, my own beliefs, and cultivate my own identity. That was something that I think has been really difficult for me is just to be a leader and to be young. You're kind of this grounding force for people. So when others don't know what to do, Mm -hmm. they're looking to you and they're saying, what do we do and how do we handle this? When you are a young leader, you do not have the benefit of life experience. Mm -hmm. So you're making the most informed decisions that you can. But a lot of times you are deciding things for the first time in your life. And you have no prior experience to fall back on. Another thing that's difficult about leadership is the tendency towards perfection. Mm -hmm. I don't feel that there are many good examples of leaders in process, especially in the age that we live in. So we see leaders at their best in the videos that they produce on their social media um, when they're speaking at conferences. But we don't see all of the mistakes they made that led to that point. And even getting to talk about your mistakes in retrospect (laughs) is very different than leading in the moment where you make the mistake. I had a perception that good leadership was the same as perfect leadership. Mm -hmm. So for my leadership to be good, it had to be perfect. That will kill your soul yes, and that will. will kill your development. That will kill your self-worth yes. if you are not careful with that. When you're thrust into leadership and you're the one who gets to make the final call, that also means that the amount of authority and power that you have been given over the people you lead is significant, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm the person who gets to make the final call, that means I have a lot more authority than anybody else mm-hmm. who's on the staff that I lead. And 
just because of human nature and who you are when you're young, I think there's a tendency to relish that and to go, I love this so much. And it's so great to be really far off from people and be like on a pedestal. But the danger is that of that is you can really damage the people that you work with and the relationships that you have with them. But that's not you. No, but it's something that I feel like I've had to wrestle with because I had the okay. impression as a young leader that it should be me. Right. Okay. I prefer to be really relationally connected to the people that I lead. But until college, I don't think I knew that that was okay and that that was even valuable leadership. If people love you and they respect you, they will go so far for yes. you. But we don't always talk about that, right? Oh, that is one of the most important things about yes. being a boss right I there. I think as a person who leads, you are so much wiser to build relationships yes. with people than to teach them skills even, yes. right? Yes, 100%. Even in the way that I look at hiring people or inviting people to serve on a team, I go, who has the heart and the relational mm-hmm. skills that we want for this? Because I can teach you how to use Excel, but I can't teach you how to care about people yes, necessarily, right. right? That's something that needs to be in there first. But when I was younger in leadership, I thought that you needed to be this distant kind of hard, like to the point okay. leader. And that for me was so hard because that is not naturally who I am. I am not that person. I don't enjoy people being afraid of me or intimidated by me. But sometimes you feel like you have to be that way. Something I would just insert that I feel like goes along with this is that when you are the boss, you can be friends with people, but there's a line. Mm -hmm. There has to be some separation where I have the relationship with them. They trust me. I trust them. Mm -hmm. There's a mutual respect. But I'm still the boss. And so I can't get too close because then that will cause issues. Favoritism. And now, yes, you know, oh, you're not you're not leading from an objective place anymore because you're in favor of this person or whatever. So there is a line. And that was hard for me, especially at the beginning, because I wanted to be everybody's friend and I wanted to hang out with them all the time. And I just realized that that wasn't healthy and I needed to draw a line. But I feel like it's super different for you because you're in college and it is a job for you, yeah. but it's also, they're your peers and you're yeah. leading your peers. Do you feel lonely sometimes? Yes. Leadership is lonely. It is. I just want to say that because you're right. There is a line. As much as I work to minimize yeah. the authority gap between the people that I lead and myself, there is a point at which people still have to ask me to be excused from an event, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. If there's something that's not functioning as it should or as it needs to, I'm the one who has to go in and, and I have to address that issue. There's not the freedom to share in the same right. way completely as a peer. So I've had to learn to be very clear and upfront because it protects us in the back end. Going in and establishing expectations up front and saying, here is who we are. Here's how we're going to do this. But also being intentional in who you invite to your staff. Yes, right. Being intentional from the minute you start inviting people to serve with you will save you so many of the awkward conversations. That's true. And that's magical and wonderful. But in my situation, I don't get to hire everybody. You don't always. Yeah, you don't get to pick. So I feel like in those situations, I try to bring on as many people as I can, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times that's not possible. So I feel like even with the most frustrating, annoying person, Mm. 
there's always going to be some good in them. Absolutely. So I try to find whatever that good is, even if it's so little, and see it and then highlight it Mm. and affirm it in them. Yes. And so when I start affirming that good thing, wow, that's made a difference. Oh, it makes a difference. When you say, I believe you're capable of this, people will rise to that level Mm -hmm. of performance. What happens when you affirm someone is so much different than when you're correcting someone. If you go, I believe you are capable of X, Y, and Z, that's so encouraging. Who doesn't want to rise to that? Yes. And and it's worked on me every time. I feel like we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I want to ask you, Sharice, what has being a boss taught you? To hit on something that you said earlier, you can't do it all perfectly. And perfectionism is the worst thing you can do to yourself. And I was a perfectionist. I was raised to be a perfectionist. (laughs) (laughs) So you can't do it all perfectly, but do what you can and let yourself off the hook Mm -hmm. and let God take care of the rest. Also, something I've really learned is don't be afraid to say that you're wrong. Mm. I have noticed that if I own up to something and say, oh my gosh, I totally messed up on that. I did this, this, and this wrong, and I am so sorry it won't happen again. That'll stop the conversation. People will say, oh, okay. Great. Not being defensive. Mm -hmm. Not having ego go into it, but just saying, you know what? You're right. I did that wrong. I see it. I accept it. That's huge. That it is humility and leadership. There's such power in humility. Absolutely. And just letting your ego go. And even if it's something that I kind of barely did wrong, like it wasn't all my fault, like maybe yeah. a lot of it was somebody else's fault, I will still own it. And I am the leader of my department. That's true. So if somebody under me does something wrong, I take it on. Yep. I don't throw them under the bus and try to blame them, I will take it on myself because they are my people. This is my department. And that's part of what I'm getting paid to do as a leader. I will take that on. I will fix it and we will get better. But I'm not going to throw that person under the bus. There are a lot of people that don't want to take responsibility for anything. I've been there. I've been thrown under the bus. And it's not cute. It's It's really not cute. And I don't want to work for you after you've done that to me. Because Part of your job as a leader is to champion your people. Yes. And learn your limitations. Yeah. Ask for help. Know what you're good at. Know what you're not good at. Hire people that are good at what you're terrible at. I'm terrible at using Excel and making documents and schedules. So I hire people that are good at that. It's really important to learn your strengths and weaknesses. And then I feel like it's so important to make a team, Mm. right? To create a team atmosphere and to not be a micromanager. Hire people that you trust if you can. And then trust them. Let them do their job and then oversee. But if you trust somebody and just let them take off with it, wow, the results you'll get will be incredible. And then maybe you can sleep an extra hour at night. Whoa, (laughs) what about that? And another thing is engage in conflict resolution. Don't leave it for tomorrow. If something's wrong, if somebody's unhappy, deal with it in that moment. And don't try to make somebody else deal with it. You deal with it. 
I remember I was having this communication problem with one of my producers. I actually called you, Cecilia, to talk about it because I was so upset and didn't know what to do. And we were just butting heads and not getting along at all. And I remember I just decided I'm going to talk to her about it. And I just started off the conversation with, you know what? I really, really like you. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what's going on here, but I really like you as a person. And she immediately cheered up. Mm-hmm. And then we were able to talk about it. And then after that, I heard her side. She heard my side. And we we would like have dinner together all the time, got our nails done. Like we became friends because I confronted the issues in the moment. Huge value yeah, in that. and didn't evade the problem. Exactly. Or push it off on my boss to deal with. And then her and I have this rift. And then we're yeah. not really talking about it, but we have to work together all day. I mean, that's that's just ridiculous. But I honestly see people do it all the time. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do it because it's uncomfortable to do the opposite. You have to be uncomfortable when you're the boss. Yeah. And tell people the truth. Mm, I love that you said that. You know, tell people the truth. When I fire somebody because it's not working out, I tell them the truth about why. I don't just say, oh, it's just not a good fit. Mm-hmm. How is that helping me? Well, and how do you grow from that? You don't. Right? If I'm going to be fired, I want to know what was it that made me not a good fit for this show so I can work on that for the next one. Because if you yeah. have that issue with me, others might too. Yeah, Exactly. And that's part of being a good boss and caring enough about somebody to try to help them. And, of course, do it in a kind way. But care more about the people than the product. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yes. Right? I'm waving my hanky in the closet. (laughs) (laughs) I've gone on and on because I'm so mature and I've worked for so long. (laughs) I have so much to say. So, Cecilia, what would you say you've learned Um, And what advice would you give for other people your age in leadership? So like you said, I don't have the benefit of years of leadership behind me. And rather than feeling discouraged by that or insecure, I look at what I do have. Mm, Good. I've learned that really at this point, what I can do is lead with my life and model how to live with the way that I live. Yeah. And encourage people with the way that I live. I don't have all these brilliant nuggets of wisdom because I haven't had the time to collect (laughs) them yet. But what I do have is a life that I can use to serve people, to love people, to honor God, to have passions and pursue them. And so that's what I try to do. I am incredibly open about the things that I'm going through and the things that I'm learning because you never Mm -hmm. know how God aligns your story with other people. So me admitting that I'm struggling and modeling that and saying that openly gives other people permission to struggle. It's it's not weird to struggle. It's a part of this stage of our lives. No, but Um, I would even say that Me doing that now is powerful to be honest about what you're going through and the struggles that you have. People really respond to that. Yeah. You're humanizing yourself. You're not on a pedestal anymore. You're a person. Mm -hmm. And then you're relatable. Now, my next nugget is applicable to my leadership at this point because I work in spiritual life. More than anything, I'm a shepherd and I'm a partner to people. Honestly, they don't need me as much 
to help them plan the details of their event. You trust your people. I trust them to do that. Mm -hmm. They need a place to be heard and to be known. They need someone to process with when they're thinking about the struggles that they're having in leadership or the struggles that they're having on their team. And ultimately, and I say this especially because I work in spiritual life, the true leader is Jesus, right? Like Mm -hmm. our goal is to pursue Jesus together. That's really what we're doing at the end of the day. And if we do some cool events together, awesome. But for my organization, we always say this. Our desire is that every person who goes through this or leaves Mm -hmm. Evangel has developed a lifelong attachment to Jesus. Mm -hmm. That's what I want for you. I have learned to remember that I am in process, so I cannot compare myself to the 30 Mm -hmm. and 40-year-old leaders that I see around me because I don't have that. There are things at this point that are outside my capability, so I cannot dwell on what I should be and where I want to be. I have to be present to where I am and maximize the skills that God has given me in this season and then exactly like you were saying I have to go to my superiors when I can't do it when I am having a week where I can't produce content for this week for the board to work through I have Mm -hmm. to go hey would you lead this one because I got nothing I'm dry (laughs) right I have to invite other people to help me too I have to remember that my inability or my mistakes don't disqualify me either as a young person It's so easy to go, I made a mistake. I can never show up again to this room. (laughs) I can never talk to these people again. And I need to pack my suitcase and I need to leave. Um, Mistakes are a part of leadership. And if you cannot acknowledge that, you will not enjoy leadership very much because you will make way more mistakes than you want to make. I remember the other night I was in a board meeting and I was trying just to read like a page of information to these people. And Mm -hmm. I was stumbling so much. And I just started laughing. I just literally, (laughs) I sat there and I started laughing. And I go, they need to see this too. They need to see this person who they think is eloquent or whatever not be able to read English words. (laughs) (laughs) Because that's that's humanizing. Yes, it is. You know? Right. And then the final thing I want to touch on what you said earlier. Mm -hmm. So I'm a young leader, but I'm a young woman in leadership. When I stepped into this role this year, that was really intimidating. Throughout my leadership career, I felt like I needed to be a part of boys club. And I have worked to suppress the parts of me that are innately female Mm, in the way that I lead. So I have worked to suppress my vulnerability. I have worked to suppress my emotions, even suppress my indecision. I really struggle Mm. with indecisiveness. And that's something that God is growing me in. But part of who I am is that I'm a person who takes time. Before I make decisions, I think about them. I'm very deliberative and I'm very mindful in the way that I make decisions. I used to see that as really a negative thing. But here's the deal. I'm a woman. And I can't change that, nor do I want to. It's a beautiful thing that God has brought me to this position of leadership as a woman. I love men. I just want to say that. I love men. Men are so great. And I am amazed (laughs) at some of the men that are in my life and the way that they lead. I'm, I'm just so privileged to have them around me. But I'm not a man. So I can't pretend that I am and try to lead as a woman with man pants on. I have to lead with woman pants. But it's beautiful because I have things that I can offer that sometimes men might not be able to in this role. I think one of the gifts I have is that I'm nurturing. I'm five foot three. (laughs) I'm the size of an elf. I'm very not intimidating. And I love to... I think people would disagree with you being intimidating. (laughs) I'm like... 
what am I going to do to you? Nothing. Like, I can't. I'm so tiny. But I love to just encourage and I love to be a safe place for people. And I used to be like, man, that's going to suck for you as a leader because you need to be this strong, independent, don't take no crap little lady. That's not the truth. No. God has given me a nurturing spirit, so I'm going to use it. Mm. And what that has meant is that I get to be a safe place for these people that I lead. I get to be somebody that they can confide in because they need that too. Yeah, they do. Leadership is lonely and I get to help it be less lonely because of the skills that I bring to it. As a leader, one of the greatest gifts you can give your people is to be safe and consistent. Establishing your expectations, being consistent in the way that you lead is Mm -hmm. so grounding. You help create a stable environment when you're not crazy all the time. And to not be crazy all the time, you need to deal with your own stuff and you need to take care of yourself. Yes. I know now that part of being a safe, healthy, consistent leader is taking care of myself. Yes. You can't keep giving if you're empty. Mm Mm-hmm. So you got to fill up the tank. Self-care is not just eating cookies and like binge watching (sighs) Netflix. That's not what I'm talking about when I say caring for yourself. I'm talking about the things that feed your soul, the things that make you a better person. Your team will see that and they'll go, oh, I need to do this too. The effect that that has on the community Mm -hmm. that you're a part of and the leadership culture that you have is incredible. So as a leader, we can't forget we need to be willing to acknowledge our limits enough to say, I'm a person too and I need to be cared for too. Yeah, you're a person before you're a leader, and it's the people, not the product. I'm so proud of you, and I just love you so much. And it's just incredible for me to be able to have this experience where I can just sit down and have a conversation about things that matter with my favorite person in the world. You're my favorite person to talk to. (laughs) I would never sit in a closet with anyone else. Well, this has been another episode of Ladies in the Wild. (laughs) Go check out our episode notes on our Instagram page, Ladies in the Wild podcast, or on our website at ladiesinthewild.org. And if you're enjoying this podcast, why not give us five stars and write a review on Apple Podcast? That really helps us to get the word out. This has been a production of CNC Think Factory. All conversations and opinions produced by Sharice and Cecilia Corbin. Graphics by Sharice Corbin. Additional writing by Cecilia Corbin. Editing by Sharice Corbin. And original music by the most amazing composer, Jason Brandt.